Kieran. I'm Hannah. This is Kitchen Table Cult. Where two quiverful escapees talk about our experiences in the cultish underbelly of the religious right. Good morning. Good morning. How was your weekend? Oh my god, I do not have enough coffee right now. Um, good, but intense. Um... For our listeners, I, Hannah, was just at the um, Unite the Right to counter-protest and protest yesterday um, with my good friend Robert Evans of Behind the Bastards podcast um, and um, a couple others, and we were um, up at the front at Foggy Bottom when the Nazis got off the metro and we followed them on their walk to the White House. Um, and we stood and watched the Antifa come in and get surrounded by cops. <laughs> and we um, were there. There's a great moment where, like, someone ran down the field into the crowd with a Black Lives Matter flag at the exact same time as the thunderstorm started oh so there's this like big the sky just like cracked with lightning as the as the crowd was cheering for this guy with the black lives matter flag running into the crowd oh my god um and the guy i was with was like so there's a hoodoo god of thunder and lightning and he's all about slave revolts and i think he's just endorsed this protest (laughs) (laughs) so that was pretty great that's beautiful um yeah, but if you guys want to listen to more of that story, I'm over there at Behind the Bastards um, by Robert Evans, and um, I'm one of the guests talking about our experiences at the protest. Nice. Talking a whole lot about how it's the job of people like me who grew up in white supremacist organizations to be out there and stand up against this kind of ideology. That's great. Yeah, it was really great. It was really intense. Nice. Yeah, I sort of watched some of it happening on Twitter, and it seemed like there was, what, like maybe 20 fascists? And, like, how many? Yeah, there was, like, there were, like, 30 or so, and the number dwindled throughout the protest. But what was interesting was there were a lot um there were a lot of undercover fascists there. That makes sense. Who were showing up, trying to look like they were Antifa, but were carrying, like, big sticks behind their, like, under their backpacks mm. or, like, um, like an umbrella that was, like, reinforced with something. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were, they were clearly not with anybody um, or looking like they were, like, participating in any Antifa, like, activity. Mm-hmm. So they were just kind of wandering around looking angry. And um, actually, it was kind of funny because I pointed them out at the beginning of the day. And I was like, this one, this one, that one. I think these guys are undercover Nazis. Mm-hmm. And Robert was like, I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> They're probably Antifa. And I was like, no, no I, think I, I think I know what I'm looking at. And sure enough, when we got out from dinner, one of those same, two of those same guys were surrounded by a crowd of um, black protesters who were like, look, they're Nazis, and one of them had a Kekistan flag with him. Holy shit. And 
we were like, okay, here we go. And the cops surrounded us all. um, And it was kind of a tense moment for a little bit because, like, they wouldn't stand down. And it was, like, the two guys I had pointed out at the beginning of the day. This is my shocked face. Yeah. No surprise. Yeah. These guys are cowards. Yep. 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 Did DC not do, like, a... Like, so we had the protest in Berkeley, right? They were doing their thing here last weekend or whatever. And Berkeley is terrible. And anyway, they were like, well, no one can have backpacks, no one can have masks, and no one can have, like, any sticks or anything. They had this whole list of things that you weren't allowed to have in public, which is, like, the list of things that if you live in the Bay Area, you always have on you in public at all times anyway, because you're traveling with Bart. Right. But they like well, and there's also all the things that you want to have to be safe in case the police right, right, attack and you. so they like disarm everyone who isn't a Nazi, and everyone who is a Nazi gets to happily have their sticks, which is really frustrating. Yeah, yeah, the, the, all the moments of tension happened because people in the crowd are chanting, "Who do you, uh, what was it? Who do you support? Who do you serve? Or yeah, who do you protect? Who do you serve?" And, um, and the, that's when the cops got angry and were like, you could feel the mood change mm-hmm. and the tension change. Yeah. But, um, speaking of cowards and angry cowards. Yes. What are we, what are we talking about today? Uh, so remember, do you remember the, uh, Alliance Defense Fund or Alliance Defending Freedom, I think, or whatever it's called now, the ADF? Alliance Defending Freedom. I deliberately forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. And that was a really bad idea. <laughs> yeah. So, so wait, who who are they? Who who is ADF? Well, now they're led by none other than our lovely Mike Ferris. Um, but wait, who's Mike Ferris? Oh my God. Well, I mean, we've we've gone over him a couple times already in this podcast. Um. So Mike Ferris <laughs> is one of the founders. Of HSLDA, and he was one of the founders of the ParentalRights.org um, lobbying group, and now he's working for ADF. Doesn't the ADF have some sort of reputation with the Southern Poverty Law Center? Yeah, I think they're classified as a hate group, along with the Family Research Council, the American Family Association, and World Net Daily, which are all organizations that I was involved with as a kid as well. (laughs) Did you know that you were involved with hate and spreading hate? I mean, I didn't see it that way at the time. But yes. How did you see it? Well, I saw it as like trying to spread the truth and being persecuted for it because that was how I was taught to see it. And and everyone was all about like spreading the truth in love or saying the truth in love. And the thing about their version of love and truth spreading was that it's actually really abusive. But that's all that you're taught. How is it abusive? Um, there's just so many ways. I don't even know where to start deconstructing it. <laughs> okay, so so a so ADF um, they're kind of like the 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 
conservative hate group version of the ACLU, but better organized. Yeah. Is that a fair way to describe them? Yeah, yeah, and they're... Yeah, I feel like that's really accurate. They think they're doing the kind of stuff that the ACLU is doing in terms of First Amendment and um, freedom of religion protecting um, work, but they really don't care unless it's protecting white Christian behavior and practices and the um, the systems of fundamentally white supremacy and white privilege that they're protecting. I think that's why the Southern Poverty Law Center classifies them as a hate group. Right. Well, and they, like... So just spend so much time advocating for, like, defending, like, acting against queer rights and, like, reproductive rights and everything that we've been working so hard to, like, keep. So, if our listeners aren't familiar with ADF, what kind of cases have they been involved with recently that our our listeners might be familiar with? Uh... Now I'm looking up all of the news stories again. Um, mm-hmm. They defended Hobby Lobby, right? So they mm-hmm. were they were part of the yeah, Hobby, Lobby thing. Hobby Lobby thing. Um, who else did they do? The Little Sisters of the Poor. Yep. Um, Trinity Lutheran, which is about public money given to a church. And uh, oh, they were they protected crisis pregnancy centers. Uh, so they can continue with their lying to pregnant people. And um, the recent case where you had a um, a baker refusing to make a cake for a gay couple, that was an ADF case. Yeah, a lot of a lot of the great cases that involve like queer people or women wanting basic human rights, they're very much actively like defending the opposition to it so they're just representing people who are like no we want to discriminate against queer people we want to discriminate against women right and it's kind of like we were talking about with the um trap laws and the pro-life movement where they're trying to create so many different um situations where bureaucracy is used against actual liberty to protect the priorities of these conservative groups um that it's really hard to like keep track of them all um our we have a a lawyer friend who's one of our group and um they're not at liberty to come join us on this podcast and by of our group i mean um a quiverful escapee former fundamentalist um but they were talking a lot about why ADF is important um, for us to be aware of. And um, the term that they used was whack-a-mole. Like, ADF will flood the courts with really small, trivial cases on of, on all of these subjects. Um, and it's really hard to, like, pay attention to them until they end up, like, at least one of them will end up in the Supreme Court pretty much every year. Um, as trying to reinforce these um, these same priorities. And it's been working pretty well. 
I feel like. Jeff Sessions, like, religious liberty task force thing or whatever, his announcement speech was at a thing that ADF was, like, behind, right? Yeah, so last week, was it last weekend? Last weekend or two weeks ago? It was recently. So, yeah, there was a religious liberty summit and Sessions and ADF functionally co-hosted it. And, um, of course, Sessions has been groomed by ADF for forever. This is part of why he's so evil. Um, and they were talking about, um, religious freedom issues and parroting all of the priorities of ADF. Um, what were some of the stuff you read in this speech? Uh, a lot of it was, like... It was like reading Mike Ferris's con law introduction because so oh, much you, of what he pulled, yeah, so much of what he pulled was like from like Mike Ferris's like the US was founded on Christian principles. We were meant to be a Christian based or like a Christian country and now we're falling apart and apparently nuns are forced to buy contraceptives and that was just a thing that he said with no evidence that just stood on its own I think in the speech yeah i think he must be referring to the little sisters of the poor where catholics are required that would to, make sense to comply, comply with like their employees if they want contraceptives being able to buy them right yeah yeah and a lot of a lot of his speech is just like reiterating basic like everything that that i learned from mike ferris's con law class i was like uh religious liberty is the one thing uh, one of the things in his speech is in short we not only have the freedom to worship but the right to exercise our face the con- our faith sorry the constitution's protections don't end at the parish parking lot nor can our freedoms be confined to our basements and he's like he's taking religious liberty as like this thing that supersedes literally everything else which is basically what Mike Ferris so, taught as well um so when Mike Ferris talked about all these things he wasn't extending the same kind of freedom of belief to groups that believe things other than Christians. No, no. Religious liberty is only only for Christian people. We were we were a Christian nation, Hana. We were founded on Protestantism. So, none of these extend to like Catholics either. These are only for Protestant uh, Christians. Oh, okay. Why is that? Because like Catholics are not real Christians somehow. Oh, okay. <laughs> Right, because they believe in works. Right, and also they worship Mary, and Mary is a woman, so that's terrible. Oh, but but she was a virgin. Right, but like she still gave birth to a child somehow. Oh, okay. but isn't that like the only reason she that women are are good are supposed to be? Exist? Don't try to yeah. put logic on it. <laughs> okay, so um, you want to so. What else? One of the other things that they talked about at this um, summit was, um, God, was uh, parental rights being tied to conversion therapy. Oof. And, and conversion therapy is an abusive practice that should be banned in every state. And my friend Garrett Conley is working to try to like um, 
in conversion therapy in America. You should read his memoir, Boy Erased, if you haven't, um, about going through conversion therapy. Um, but it's a, I mean, the miseducation of Cameron Post is also um, coming out right now about the same thing, where it's like basically the send your kid to camp to pray the gay away. Mm-hmm. Um, because being gay is something that can be quote unquote cured. It's, it's a right. It's illness. a choice. Right. And if it's, and even if it's not a choice, it's like, it's like you're mentally ill. Like it's they, either you like completely remove agency or give all total agency and it's either rebellion or like a sickness. Yeah. Yeah. And Did if your you're... parents, uh, endorse this, um, this something that you ran into at all. I didn't actually run into a lot of conversion therapy kind of things or, like, justification for it. Mostly my parents were like, well, it's a choice, and so if you choose to be gay, then you're sinning and you're terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't They didn't buy into the thing where, like, it's not a choice, it's just who you are. So conversion therapy mm-hmm. didn't really make sense to them because they were like, well, but you're choosing to be gay. Right. Um, yeah, well, and the, the book uh, Boy Erase talks about it and it's like goes through all these like fucked up ideas, effed up ideas about um, like uh, the sins of the father's like creating a family curse and oh, like, yeah. why are you gay? Was there was there like was there like Catholicism or alcoholism in your family before? Did, was your did your grandmother have an abortion? Like things like that, and then like saying like, well, this is like, like this is the reason you're gay, and you need to repent of all of their sins so that you can yeah not be gay anymore, and um, which is just crazy on every level and also not biblical because if you like because i believe it's in the old testament where it's like the the son will not be punished for this right yeah i remember that like that's that's old covenant that's not even new covenant stuff yeah like yeah but like where where the hell are they getting this i don't know i don't i don't think it matters to them they find one verse and they're like here we go Okay, but like let's let's bring this back to the religious liberty task force and um, parental rights. Tell me about the parental rights amendment agenda and where that all came from. Uh, man, I don't remember where it quite like. I remember it's. I remember I started hearing about it in like the late nineties, early two thousands. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was something that like HSLDA started hopping on pretty early uh which makes sense since ferris founded like i think it was a if i remember correctly it was a reaction to the um un rights yeah yeah right that was the like counter proposal was let's not have rights of the child let's have parental rights and then that started the like campaign to get parental rights everywhere which like the u.s hasn't ratified the un rights of the child act which is that if you've read it like i encourage you if you grew up fundamentalists and homeschool go read the un rights of the child act it will make you cry 
because I, I, <laughs> so serving in Peace Corps in Kyrgyzstan, one of the things that we had to do for our teacher training was read the UN Rights of the Child Act because Kyrgyzstan had ratified it and we needed to be aware of our responsibility to children as creatures having rights. Oh my God. Before we entered the classroom. Can it's, you imagine? It's, it's actually. I mean, you can. No, I can't. But like. <laughs> it's, it's both like heartwarming. Like reading that document is just like therapeutic for me now. Um, because if I had had that kind of, if I had been aware that I as a person had that kind of dignity mm-hmm. when I was a kid, my life would be so different. Right. My self-confidence would have been so different. Well, that's exactly why um, we can't have it here. Because they right, don't want so, that. Right. So, because children are pawns and property. Um, HSLDA really didn't want us ratifying that. But well, I mean, what if kids decided they a, didn't want to be homeschooled and then suddenly they had a right? Right. Exactly. So HSLDA, because of their affiliation with homeschooling, couldn't exactly lobby for this. So they had to make a different group called parentalrights.org. And they're trying to get a parental rights amendment on every state's constitution. And they succeeded in several places. Virginia has one. Mm-hmm. Um, they ultimately want to get it and, in the U.S. constitution... Mm-hmm. As an amendment, and what 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 is the idea of parental rights? What does that what does that mean? It means that parents have sole control over their children for ever until they like get married or become an adult, depending on if you're a girl or a boy. And it means that if you want to do something that your parents disagree with, or something, <clears throat> excuse me, about you is something that your parents disapprove of, they can hold their parental right privilege over that and make you comply. Yep, you do not have any rights as a human or an individual. So to have that tied by ADF to conversion therapy, so Uh. this is an incredibly traumatic experience for anyone who's been through it. Um, The suicide rates of queer people who have gone through conversion therapy is insanely high. I don't remember the exact number, but it's it's really bad. Um, like, suicide rates for closeted queer people is already really bad. Right. To, like, Add that on top of conversion it. Therapy, which is a traumatic attempt at brainwashing them to hate themselves even more for being gay. Right. Is really awful. So, if ADF is tying that to parental rights... Um, that's, uh, that's terrifying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like, that's what they want to do because they want to squash the gayness out of everybody. But, like, that's just going, it's terrible. And anyway, now we have, like, a Religious Liberties Task Force for it. So what is, is, is this something that we wanted back when we were... In the cults? I mean, I don't think we imagined it, like, with this specific face, but it is definitely in the vein of what everyone was working towards. Like, they they want to criminalize gayness, they want to squash gayness out in children before they have a chance to even, like, express it. 
Um, mm-hmm. I mean, like, there is a non-small contingent of people who still believe that queers should be stoned to death. So this is very much yeah. in that vein. And, and Rebella's sons, too, right? Right. And, uh, and you know, any daughters who stray. Uh, yeah. Um, well, let's take a quick break and talk about the Religious Liberty Task Force some more. All right, so let's talk about the Religious Liberty Task Force. What are some of our priorities? Uh, let's see. So they're protecting the safety of people of faith, um, protecting them against unjust discrimination, for example. And I'm just reading this off of the speech that Sessions gave. Uh, they filed a brief in Montana to defend parents who claimed that the state barred their children from a private school scholarship because they attended a religious school. They filed an amicus brief on behalf of the Archdiocese or Archdiocese of DC, which was refusing space or refused advertising space for having a religious mes- message including joy to the world on Merry Christmas because the war on Christmas on Merry, on Merry Christmas is a thing. Uh, they defended <laughs> the cake baker dude, Jack Phillips. Um, well, and that's ADF. That's right. Not that's the religious ADF. Liberty task well. Right. And I'm just reading from his speech, so it seems like they are, like, working together or merging or are going to be heavily involved with the Justice or Department. Or at least, like, or ADF is, like, setting their priorities. Right. They're at least writing the, like, guidelines for it. Who founded ADF? A lot of people. Um, a lot of people that we know. Uh, or, like have been are very familiar are with. really familiar with um, so it was incorporated in 1983 yep um and who are these names uh bill bright who started campus crusade for christ which was like a huge thing in all the churches that i went to um for like it's their college really students. yeah it's really big on college campuses still yeah uh larry burkett who did Crown Financial Ministries, which is, like, this great, like, Christian get-rich-quick scheme thing. Well, it's, like, an, it's a multi-level marketing scheme about, like, how to financially plan for success, basically. Right. which is not the same as Dave Ramsey, but same idea-ish. But it's kind of the same idea as Dave Ramsey stuff. Right. Um, James Dobson. It was... Mm-hmm. Who is James Dobson? Remember Adventures in Odyssey? Uh, that was probably the most benign thing he ever did. I know. Yeah, I remember Adventures in Odyssey. Yeah. So James Dobson. used to Dobson. get up on Saturday mornings to listen to it. Me too. I used to, like, I had the, uh, like, Focus on the Family little radio that they made personally that only played their station or whatever that also like played <laughs> adventures in odyssey all the time and i would sometimes Cute. put it under my pillow and sleep with it so i could listen to adventures in odyssey and not get caught so your childhood girlfriend was adventures in odyssey obviously i mean it was connie i had okay. a huge crush on connie it was connie yeah didn't we all i know i kind of liked eugene but he was also kind of a dweeb yeah yeah i had mixed feelings about eugene but i was so here for connie so- 
focus on the James Dobson wrote a bunch of parenting books that were used against us as kids. Yep. Um, not quite as bad as the the pearls, but still really bad. And if you want some really excellent coverage on what exactly James Dobson's parenting um, methods were, you should go read Libby Ann's blog, Lovejoy Feminism. She has a lot of um, like chapter by chapter kind of like debunking. deconstructions, yeah deconstructions of those yeah and focus on the family really like promoted a lot of the same ideas that um focus on the family is like the gateway drug it's like it it gets you in because it seems benign it seems pretty chill it seems it's real Mm -hmm. palatable and so like families who just go in like it's in every mainstream church every every church has Mm -hmm. adventures and odyssey every church has Dobson's like child rearing books and it's Mm -hmm. he's really fundamentalist but he frames it so it's very palatable to mainstream people so they get sucked in pretty easily yeah and then you have um, D. James Kennedy who founded Coral Ridge Ministries yep he was like a really popular TV pastor my parents watched him every Sunday all the time. I wasn't familiar with him. Yeah, he used to. What I think he also st- had a radio show. Also. What was his shtick? I mean, just your like same run of the mill evangelical conservative fundamentalist preaching. He had a really deep voice. He wore um, a robe and the little scarf thing. He was fancy. It was. It was like he was. He was Protestant, but he looked not protestant it was weird he had an interesting dynamic um but uh, like otherwise very much in line with focus on the family and everybody else like all the same right complementarianism all that and are they having a scandal right now are they they should be i don't know if they are or I, not but i, I feel, feel like, like probably is... oh i know who this is okay so Tulian Chidevin, and I'm probably mispronouncing that last name, who is Boz's brother. Right. Was affiliated with Coral Ridge and um, was a sexual predator there. And um, Grace, Boz's organization, Grace, which is the godly response to abuse in Christian environments is, uh, I believe, was involved in investigating him. And Boz, Boz has a, a, a team that was working on it, and so Boz himself was not involved by, um, in the investigation because of obvious conflict of interest because right. his family. But, um, but yeah, C- Coral Ridge was one of their clients. Yeah, this doesn't surprise me. I feel like yeah. all of the churches that I had anything to do with should be, like, under investigation by Grace, TBH. Right. Um, and then the next group... Um, Marlon Maddox. Yeah, I don't International actually... International Christian Media. ...have a lot of experience with them. Um, it looks like they have a... M- the in, in a convention in Nashville, and a convention in Anaheim. 
which is just off of Google. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have some media summits and give out rewards for Christian media professionals. That makes sense. Sort of like Vision Forum used to do. <sighs> right, right. Um, and then William Pugh, who <laughs> um, I know because he was one of the biggest donors to Grove City College. And Grove City College um, is the school that was the flagship in the Supreme Court case about whether um, Christian universities could be religiously exempt from um, complying with Title IX. And the conclusion was they could as long as they didn't receive any federal funding ever. Right, which is also um, why PHC doesn't get any federal funding. And like. Bob Jones and Pensacola and all these groups. So, like, they like they can discriminate against gay people and women as long as they don't take federal funding, which is sketchy. So, William Pugh um, was pretty rich guy, um, I believe, in Pittsburgh. I can't remember where he made his money. I feel like it was in oil, but I, I'm probably wrong. Um, but there's, like, buildings... Named after him all over Grove City's college's campus. There's, um, <clears throat> there's like, all these um, awards named for him. There's a statue of him in the chapel garden. Oh, my that God. freshmen will, like, sit on and, like, pretend to be, like, uh, in his lap. Like, it's, it's a thing. Um, so, yeah, he, so he did that. Oh, yeah, and let me just say something real fast about, um, I think it's interesting that you have such a a diversity of um, spheres of Christian groups represented in ADF's founders, Um, and I have wrote this piece about it, and I'm trying to find a home for it, Um, but it's an academic paper um, I wrote last semester about... Um, there's this Marxist theorist called Antonio Gramsci, um, named Antonio Gramsci, who wrote um, something called the Prison Notebooks while he was in prison by Mussolini um, for basically his entire life. And he was writing about why Marxism failed in the West. He was like, capitalism is, is too good, it's too advanced, and Marxism can't um, just like use a revolution to change culture and we have to like treat it like trench warfare and like take ground in small bites yep and we have to we have to attack these seven spheres of cultural influence and he broke it down into like different quadrants and um his books didn't get translated into english um until many years after they came out in their first publication And when they finally came out, around that same time, you had um, Bill Bright and Francis Schaeffer and someone else, and I'm blanking on his name, Um, but these three Christian evangelical Mm -hmm. leaders come out with, like, this idea of, like, God told me in a vision or in a, well, I was praying or whatever, but God told me that this is the strategy to um, enact cultural change. Fascinating. And it, and it, and it exactly parallels Antonio Gramsci's ideas. So, um, these guys are all very smart people who are not above stealing um, ideas where they find them. And um, Bill Bright had an economics degree, so I'm sure he was reading Gramsci. 
Um, so these guys were taking Marxist theory about how to enact cultural change. And you have this, this is like what Vision Forum was all yep. about. Vision Forum, like, had like these, like, here, here's our like seven pronged approach for like making America a Christian nation. Yeah. Again. Well, and if we think about um, it, here's like, like everything, like it's sort of like it was entirely organized that way because you had all of these different organizations with all these different facets. So like Vision Forum was media and HSLDA mm-hmm. is like legal reform. It just basically everything Mike Ferris touches is like enacting legal PHC change. was education. PHC was education. Uh, the way that they like trained people with Generation Joshua and Team Pact and such to run for very local races was local mm-hmm. governments and then branching out. So that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and our law student friend, uh, our law student, lawyer friend, they are not a law student. Nope. Um, <clears throat> our, our genius bard lawyer friend, um, they were talking about um, Blackstone. Blackstone, what's the full title of it? Um, right, which is like this sort of like law Blackstone program. Blackstone Fellow Program. Yeah. Yeah. So they recruit lawyers. They recruit young lawyers to go to their training course in Arizona um, to get like... Uh, they fly them out and they pay them and they get them first internships and they basically um, shepherd them into uh, creating, um, you know, working toward ADF uh, agenda. And it's like, it's something that other like law schools don't offer in the same way. Well, I don't know that other law schools don't programs. offer it in the same way. Well, I mean, but like, they, it's like, not paid. They give you a lot of money. As, like, yeah. there's not paid internships. So the Blackstone Fellow Program doesn't seem to be, um, like, particularly enticing other than they have a lot of money and they'll pay for things and they'll get you internships right. and they'll, like, Which, fly, fly you places and provide for you. Yeah, and for like broke law students, that is a lot. I imagine because law school is not inexpensive. Attractive. Yeah, no, that's so, incredibly attractive. Yeah, so it seems enticing, and they get a lot of new recruits that way. Uh, PHC basically funnels people. Uh, I imagine that like Regent and Liberty also funnel people that way, since they also have like law programs and are yeah. sort of in that vein. Yeah, I'm sure that they're everywhere. Um, yeah, so I, I think I think this is just something to like keep our eyes on. I mean, they're they're clearly pushing these priorities that have old roots that we're very familiar with. And I mean, this is just another step in their plan. They have right. power, and they're going. They now are in like able to do things on like the Department of Justice level and so now they're doing that. And where should we um, look looking toward the future um, as like a preview we should look at ADF's international work. Yes. What is their international work? What um, have they done outside the US? So I am not as familiar with it as I should but we're, we've got a, a couple of links that we can put up 
um, if you want to get started on a, a rabbit trail on that direction for our listeners. Um, but they do a lot of anti-LGBTQ campaigns. And, um, and also, they are kind of tightly tied with Russia. This is my surprised face. Which also... I mean, and we'll get into this when we do an episode on HSLDA, but HSLDA is also tied with Russia, so it doesn't surprise me that with Mike Ferris leading the helm of ADF, that they are also very closely linked right now. Right. So do you think that there's any chance that um, Mueller's investigation will uncover any of this? I mean, it probably will, but whether or not anyone cares or whether or not that gets out is another question entirely. Yeah, I think these guys have Um, been covering their tracks for 20, 30 years. I mean, like, HSLDA started, like, I remember the shift uh, in, like, the late 90s, early 2000s, when, like, HSLDA was like, oh, Russia is terrible, they're evil, and then suddenly, like, Putin came in and hated queer people and then hslda was suddenly like real buddy buddy with russia and then over the last like however many years it's been they've been going to russia trying to get homeschooling done there they've been working closely with russia right so So they've had a lot i feel like that's gonna like it hasn't been hidden it's in their court reports like you can find it on their website so there's obviously ties there and for our listeners, if you're not familiar with um, HSLDA's court report, it's their magazine. Is, is it monthly? It's a, it's their magazine that they it's put monthly. out. It's monthly. Yeah, it's their monthly magazine that they put out about the like the state of homeschooling. Um, yeah, so like Russia's through there. You can search it, um, and you can search like Southern Poverty Law Center um, under their ADF um, page. You can, like, mm-hmm. search for Russia and their co- connections to Russia, and it's pretty extensive. Um, and honestly, you know, we've heard all about Russia's draconian laws uh, against queer people, and um, I've lived in a country that had laws that were mimicked off of that and um, watched people go underground, watched people get, you know, heard read the news reports of people who were, you know, beaten up after they left a, an, a speakeasy club. Um, it's just, this is, this is where they want us to go. This is what they're working for. This is what they're working for. Um, and it's not hidden, and it's been in the works for forever. Um... So, what do our listeners have to look forward to next week? Uh, well, hopefully we talk more about HSLDA either next week or soon, upcoming. Because yeah. I feel like we really need to just, like, because they're so tied to everything. Yeah, we uh, really should give we them need some need to, time. like, really focus on that. Um, and we can ask one of our friends who knows a lot about HSLDA's history uh, to come on and mm-hmm. tell us about it. Because she's done a lot of work uh, researching them. Keeping all the receipts. Okay. So look forward to an episode on HSLDA. Look forward to um, maybe if if you are a listener and you have questions, um, we'd love to talk to you. We'd love to answer them. Yes, Um, send us your questions. 
join our, our Patreon and you can hear the, the After Dark episode that we recorded last week. Um, that was super fun. And... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, thanks for listening. And check out, check out a Behind the Bastards podcast um, and hear what um, me and Robert and some others had to say about the protests yesterday. Yay. Yay. I'm excited about that episode too. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Bye. See you next week. Bye.